0: Hey guys, I'm your host Tara A. Devlin, and welcome to this week's episode of Koobana, true Japanese scary stories from around the internet. The latest volume of Koobana, Volume 11, is now out. This volume has over 80 different stories of creepy ghosts, abandoned buildings, frightening monsters, haunted locales, and much, much more, so do check it out right now. We also have a brand new design up in the Koobana merchandise store. You can check that out at kowabana.store. We have shirts, mugs, stickers, masks, and much more, so do check it out and help support the show at the same time. This week we're looking at some tales not of the supernatural, but rather how terrifying and frightening real flesh and blood human beings can be. First up, a university student on his way home one night happens to spot a woman nailing a straw doll to a tree. The woman realises that she's been seen and It's just the start of a terrifying journey that will take several years to end. Find out why in The Waiting Woman. This happened when I was a university student. Things have finally calmed down now, so let me get it all out. This isn't a story about ghosts or anything like that, but rather how scary real people can be. During the autumn of my first year at university, I was out drinking with a friend one day and I managed to catch the last train home. My house was about a 15-minute walk from the closest station. I used that road almost every day and there was a small shrine on the way. A shrine so small and indistinct that only the locals knew about it. Now, the town I lived in had nothing going for it, but the express trains did stop there, and the residential area was rather large. The shrine was about 300 metres from the station, and there was also a parking lot nearby, so it saw sporadic traffic. Anyway, as I was walking past the shrine like always, I casually looked over at it. The main hall was right there at the front, and to the right was a small grove of trees. This section of trees was so small that during the day you could see the road on the other side of it. But just for a second, inside those trees, I saw what looked like a person dressed in white making a swinging motion towards a tree. I couldn't tell whether it was a man or a woman, but even with just a glimpse, I could guess what they were doing. The hour of the ox. They were performing the straw doll curse. I didn't know much about the curse at the time. I looked it up later. But I did know that. You mustn't be seen by anybody while you were doing it. If somebody saw you, then the curse would be turned back on you, and the only way to avoid that would be to kill that person who saw you. It was just a legend, of course, but still a chill ran down my spine. It wasn't the straw doll itself that frightened me, but rather, seeing a person who hated someone so much that they would go to these lengths to get back at them. that was frightening. As an aside, I've been to Kotohira Shrine in Kyoto, and the stuff written on the votive tablets there is pretty scary. Just standing near them feels like you're getting drawn into the bad vibes as well. And that was how I felt seeing the straw doll as well. But still, I pretended I didn't see anything, quickly turned around, and then continued on my way. I went straight for about 100 metres past the shrine, and as I approached the intersection, I turned around. Someone dressed all in white leaned out of the shadows of the shrine, and they were looking right at me. Crap, I thought. That person hammering the straw doll knew that I saw them. It was at that point I realised it was likely a woman because of her long hair. At any rate, I couldn't just stand there all day, so I crossed over the intersection and continued straight for another 200 metres. Every now and then I looked behind me, and that woman in white was tailing me at a fixed distance. The way she walked was creepy, and she kept hiding behind telephone poles and rubbish bins, but I could plainly see her, so it somehow made it even creepier. Another 200 metres down the road, there was a bridge to the right and my apartment was just on the other side of that. I kept walking straight, constantly looking behind me, but suddenly the woman was gone. Hmm? Did she hide somewhere? I thought, but I soon understood what was going on. The road I was on actually forked. The narrow path I took led to the residential area, but if you kept going straight, then it kind of looped back around to the other side. Kind of like a rugby ball, I guess. The woman is trying to get ahead of me on the other road, I thought. I looked back at the fork, and the woman who had just been 100 metres away was now only five metres behind me. The moment she saw me, she screamed and started chasing me. In her right hand, she held what looked like a small hammer, and I don't exactly remember the expression on her face, but she looked desperate as she ran after me. Honestly, I was afraid. I was her target, and the only thing she wanted to do was hurt me. It was the first time in my life I'd experienced anything like that. I ran up the pedestrian bridge as fast as my feet would carry me. I was a young man in university, and she was a middle-aged woman, so it should have been easy for me to escape her. Still, it would be too dangerous to go straight home so I decided to run into the convenience store behind my building instead. Before long, the woman appeared on the other side of the road facing the store. She stood there and glared at me. I hid behind some shelves and wondered what to do. There wasn't anything I could do, so I called the police. A short while later, the sound of sirens blared and the woman ran away. I told the police everything that happened and then went home. Two weeks later, I got a call from the police. Apparently, they had caught the woman, but this time for a different incident. However, it seemed she was… insane, and they couldn't arrest her. A short while after that, I was informed the woman had been placed in a hospital. From the bottom of my heart, I was relieved. I didn't know if she was legally competent, but letting her roam the streets like that was honestly scary. And that was the end of that. Or so I thought. But it wasn't over yet. Two years after that incident, when I was in the third grade of university, I ran into that woman again. Honestly, by that point I'd mostly forgotten what happened all those years ago, probably because I heard she was in the hospital, so I felt safe. I was on my way home from my part-time job one night. There was only one ticket gate at the station, but as I mentioned earlier, this was a residential area, so quite a few people used that station. It was around 10pm, and as I approached the gate, I saw someone suspicious standing nearby. There were a lot of people around, so I couldn't see very well, but this person seemed to be staring closely at each and every person leaving the station. What a weirdo. How creepy. Was all I thought at the time, and I joined the crowd in leaving, but the moment I stepped through the gate, our eyes locked. It was a woman wearing a shirt with a large picture of Doraemon on it and a dirty, smelly long skirt. I kind of regretted making eye contact with her, but at the same time, her staring at me made me angry, so I stared back. The woman then opened her mouth into a wide, horrifying grin, and her eyes were crazed what the hell? I thought, and as I passed by her, she broke out into a crazed laugh and started following me. I'm here to return the favour, she said. I had no idea what she meant, but then she grabbed my arm. For whatever reason, I was worried about how those around us would think, so even if I wanted to shake her off, I couldn't, and I just stood there, frozen. Hey, I've been waiting all this time for you, so let's have a little chat over there," she said. Eh? You've been waiting for me? Why? Who are you? I wanted to ask, but she pushed me away from the crowd, and then we sat on a bench to the right of the ticket gate together. Honestly, I thought I'd just let her say what she wanted and then go home. I knew nothing about her, and she was kind of old. I could run away whenever I wanted to. We continued a normal conversation after sitting down. How old are you? She asked. Nineteen, I lied. What's your name? Funaki Kazuo. Also a lie. Where do you live? Somewhere over there. I was starting to get annoyed. Look, I'm gonna go home now, okay? I said and stood up but she stopped me. Wait, Kazuo-kun! I'm here to return the favour. I still had no idea what she was talking about. I have no idea what you're talking about, I said. What favour? I went to leave again, but she suddenly lowered her voice. Wait. I'll kill you, she said. The smile disappeared from her face and for a moment… I feared she wasn't lying. She then pulled a small knife out of her pocket and gripped my arm tightly. At that moment I remembered what happened two years earlier, probably because it was the first time I'd faced such malice since then. Is she actually going to kill me? I thought, and I was afraid, but also angry. Ha! Huh? I yelled back, shaking her off. If you're going to kill me… Then just do it, you old hag!" Then I walked away. I yelled at her like I meant it, but honestly, I was just frightened, and that was why I walked away. Ah! I'll kill you!' The woman screamed, and then chased after me down the stairs. At that moment, all the memories came flooding back. It was her, the woman in white from two years ago. She wasn't dressed in white now nor did I recognise her face or voice, so it wasn't until she started chasing me that I recognised her. People at the station started looking at us, but I could hardly just wait for her to catch me. Luckily, there was a police box right outside the station exit. I immediately ran inside. She followed me in and ended up slashing at one of the officers who tried to stop her. Of course, he dodged the attack and she was quickly subdued. In the end, I had nothing to do with her after that. It was a small station, so I could hear her screaming in the back as they asked me a few questions. Bring Kazuo out! The officers listened to me kindly as, despite my age, I nearly broke out in tears. I think I was just so relieved. I guess they kept her restrained for quite some time after that, but they let me go home rather quickly. Of course, I told them everything that happened two years earlier. Everything was so frantic, so maybe the story wasn't that scary, but that's what happened. At any rate, the police contacted me again later on and they said the woman was admitted to a rehabilitation clinic or something like that. Either way, it wasn't a hospital this time and she wouldn't be able to leave until the staff there felt she was ready to rejoin society. And that in its own way is pretty scary too. They isolate people deemed unfit for society. Now that everything is over, I feel kind of bad for the woman. She probably wasn't going through the ritual with the straw doll for no reason, and she must have experienced something rather painful. But on the other hand, I was honestly terrified, and I kind of hoped she would never get out again too. Nearly five years have passed since then, and I heard that she died in the facility. So I guess that's the end of that. Unless she turns into a ghost, that is. A student goes to the mall for a little shopping, but while there, seems to keep running into the same person. Are they being followed? Find out in… You're Not Alone. This happened when I was in the third year of junior high. I visited a large mall in the next town over with my family. First thing I did was visit the stationery store, and once there, I started going through all the stuff on the shelves. As I was looking at a few things, I saw a person approaching from the left, so I leaned in a little closer so they could pass behind me. But then I felt something brush against my back. I turned around and it was no doubt that person who had just passed by, but oddly there was more than enough space for them to easily pass without ever touching me. How odd. Next, I went to the music store to look at some CDs. I picked one up and was looking at the track list on the back when suddenly I sensed someone standing on the opposite side of the rack in front of me. They were the type of shelves with CDs lined up on both sides, and you could see through them. I figured it was just somebody on the other side also browsing, but when I looked up, I saw a face staring right at me. It was a man. Our eyes met, and he didn't try to look away. On the contrary, he didn't even blink. He just continued staring right at me. My heart began to pound who on earth was this person? Surprised, I quickly moved away and pretended that I was looking for another CD elsewhere. Again, it wasn't long until the man stood on the other side of the shelves and started looking at me again. But this time, it was a little different. There were no CDs on the other side of the shelf. There was nothing but an empty aisle. There were a few posters, but that was it. And again… When I looked up, he was staring right at me. Suddenly, I realised something. It was that same man from the stationery store. I only saw him from behind for a moment, but he was wearing the same colour clothes. Did that mean… he was following me? No way, how creepy. What the hell? I thought about rushing back to my family, but if he saw me running… Then I feared he would run after me as well, so I did my best to stay calm and then slowly left the store. I walked around for a bit and then, when I turned around, nobody was there. Huh? I was shocked, but at the same time, relieved. Was I simply mistaken? At any rate, I had to find my family, so I got on the escalator and, right as it was passing by the other one on the other side, I saw him again. Our eyes met. Crap, I thought, and then he started running the opposite way down the escalator. I knew it, I wasn't wrong, he really was following me. Fear gripped me again and I started running. I wanted to get back to my family as soon as possible. And perhaps that wish was granted because when I reached the bottom, my family were there. Let's go home now, I said, not mentioning anything about the man. It seemed they were done shopping anyway, so they agreed and we made our way out to the parking lot. Yet I still couldn't stop my heart from pounding. That man was no doubt still hanging around somewhere nearby. And then I heard a voice from behind. So you're not alone, huh? A young woman recounts a terrifying encounter she and her mother had at home one night, but it's not until years later that she finds out the even more horrifying truth. Find out what in… Midnight Visitor. My father wasn't around when I was born, so I always lived alone with my mother. Now I'm married and we live apart, but this happened when I was 17 and still living at home with her. It was around 3am one night when the doorbell suddenly rang. I was chatting with my mother late into the night that night, so both of us were still awake. Who could it be at this hour? I said, and then I answered the intercom. Hello? A woman replied. Um… Uh Sorry for bothering you so late, but do you think you could… let me spend the night here? Just by the sound of her voice, she seemed to be in her forties. The hesitation in her voice bothered me a little. Eh? You want to spend the night here? Are you one of my mother's friends? I asked. No, not at all. Um… I lived nearby, but I got fired and, uh, I don't have anywhere to stay anymore, so if you could let me spend the night here… I still didn't really understand what she was saying. So you don't know my mother, but you want to stay here? Now I was confused too. Here, let me talk, my mother said. She had been watching the exchange and then she took over. What on earth is going on, I thought, and I went to look through the window by the front door. The woman I saw standing on the other side of the door was clearly strange. First, despite clearly being in her fifties, she had bleached blonde hair. She was wearing a white hat, bright green blouse, and a puffy red skirt with white polka dots on it. In her right hand, she held a bag jam-packed with stuff. She's not right in the head, I thought, but my mother was still talking to her. Hey mum, come look. That woman's a weirdo. Stop talking to her. She's scaring me. Just tell her no, I said, making a small fuss. But she just laughed. She walked all this way in the rain without an umbrella, That's all. If you're scared, then let's just give her an umbrella and tell her to go. It was true, it had rained a lot that day, but just looking at that woman standing outside made me want to cry, and I envied my mother for being so brave. I was so scared that I went back to the living room to get away from the door and watched my mother from there. She opened the door, and I could hear her talking for a few moments before suddenly she yelled. I'm not letting you in. Please go." I'd never heard her yell before, so that alone scared me, and I could feel tears forming in my eyes. There was a frantic rattling at the door, and the woman was trying to get the chain off. The sound the door made when my mother tried to slam it shut caused seventeen-year-old me to actually cry. It was so powerful. But even through all the ruckus at the door… All I could hear was my mother's voice, not the other woman's. Suddenly, there was a slam, and the door closed. My mother returned to the living room, her breathing ragged. Just like you said, that woman wasn't right in the head. You must have been so frightened. I'm sorry. What happened? Are you okay? My mother smiled. I'm perfectly fine, but… I think it's time for us to go to bed. But as we were talking, the doorbell started ringing again, over and over. It was followed by a frantic banging on the door. I was scared out of my mind and started crying. Let's just call the police! If she doesn't leave soon, we'll call the police, my mother said. But you should go to bed. It'll be fine. And so I started getting ready for bed but I was too scared to actually sleep, and for a while I listened to the sounds coming from the front door. This continued for another thirty minutes, and it affected me so badly that, after that, I was terrified whenever someone came to visit us at night. Five years later, I started living by myself. I spoke to my mother the night before I was to move out. Oh yeah, you remember that night with the woman who came here? I was so scared, I remember just crying and crying, I said. Yeah, but if that alone scares you, then are you sure you'll be okay living by yourself? My mum replied. That alone? I said, and then my mother explained what she meant. I didn't say anything at the time because you were so afraid, but… That person. I said they had been walking through the rain, but they weren't wet at all, and they were holding a bat in their left hand. Also, it wasn't a woman, but a man. I was so surprised I didn't know what to say. Like, call the police or something. Why didn't you call the police then? I said. Well, that might have upset them even more, and they knew where we lived, so… I started living alone the very next day, but I was so scared that I still spent quite a bit of time at my mother's house. If you're reading this, you should be wary of nighttime visitors as well. A man moves to Tokyo to join a band, but before long, it seems someone's watching his every move. Who is it, and why? Find out in The Woman's Hatred. This happened to a friend of mine. He moved to Tokyo to join a band, and because he didn't have any money, he moved into a tiny single-room apartment that was pretty old for just 30,000 yen a month. About a year after moving, he started to suffer from insomnia. But there was a reason for that. Every single night, someone would peep through the mail slot in the door, or through the gap in the kitchen window, and so on. At first, he thought maybe he was just seeing things or dreaming, but then one day, he bought a cheap, crappy mini car with the little money he had. He parked it in front of his apartment, but that night, he heard a loud bang, and when he went to see what it was, someone had broken the front and side windows and poured milk all over the inside of his car. He was so flabbergasted that he called the police on the spot. They came out and asked a few questions and inspected the scene, but they were unable to find any fingerprints. When he returned to his apartment after that, this time he found milk poured all over the inside of his room too. It was everywhere, from the ceiling all the way down to the floor. They had to have done it while he was outside talking to the police. He called them again and the same officers returned to his apartment for more questioning and evidence gathering. They asked him about his relationships and such, and he told them, Recently, it's felt like somebody has been watching me in my apartment every night. For the time being, the police decided they would patrol the area. After they left, my friend cleaned the mess in his apartment, put his bedding and clothes outside the front door, and then decided to go to bed. That night, he was woken by some loud knocking on the door. He got up to check and it was a police officer again. "'What's wrong?' he asked. "'Do you know this person?' The officer was holding the arm of a young woman. "'No, I have no idea who she is.' The moment he said that, the woman's expression turned crazed. She bared her teeth and tried to attack him. The police officer quickly subdued her. According to the officer… He was on patrol when he saw the woman with a lighter trying to set fire to his bedding. When police questioned her, it turned out she was a die-hard fan of my friend's band and had even spent a drunken night with him after a show one time. She was apparently unable to forget him after that, and whenever she saw him walking around with another woman, a terrible hatred grew inside her. My friend didn't press charges against her, but he realised that The hatred of a living person was far more terrifying than that of a ghost. How many times can an accident take place in the same place before people start to question whether it's really accidental or not? A student on her way to school finds herself soon asking this question, and the answer is probably not the one she's after. Find out why in… You're okay, aren't you? When I was in high school, I was hit by a car twice on my way to school. I was riding along the road when I approached a car park. A car was about to leave, so both of us stopped when we saw each other, like, who's going to go first? The driver waved at me, as if to say, you go ahead first, and so that's what I did. But for some reason, the car started driving as well. He hit me from the side and I landed hard on the ground. My leg was all scraped up and bleeding, but all I could think was, oh my god, I've just been in an accident. The driver stepped out of his car and asked me, you're okay, aren't you? You can still go to school, right? Yeah, I'm okay, I said, and then we both went on our way. When I got there, I told my friend about what happened what the hell? You need to go to the nurse's office right away. They then forcibly took me there. I didn't know the driver's name, nor did I know if that person regularly used that parking lot or not, so there was no way to track them down, and my injuries quickly healed, so I didn't dwell on matters and soon put it out of my mind. About six months later, I was riding my bike past that same parking lot again, when this time I was hit by a motorcycle. And who would have thought it was that same person again too? Because he was on a motorbike this time, the impact was much larger and I got sent flying out onto the road. Are you serious? Again? I thought, and the man got off his bike, but left his helmet on, and said, You can still go to school, right? And then he went on his way. There was little else I could do, so I continued to school and then went to the nurse's office. I decided to change my route after that though, but then one day there was another accident on that very same spot. I happened to be passing nearby at the time, and I saw one of the students from the younger grades lying on the ground. You're okay, aren't you? The driver said. It was that same person who had already hit me twice. But unlike me, the student lying on the ground didn't get up, and a passerby rushed them to the hospital. There was a huge commotion, but in the end, the student finally regained consciousness. It seemed they were anemic, and so they passed out when they were hit. The driver was finally arrested as well. There were other victims besides me, and they had gone to the police about what happened. As such, the police soon figured out who it was. I've been too afraid to ever pass by that way again, and I've urged my family to avoid the area as well. Staying in the hospital after surgery is already rough enough, but what if your roommate is so angry they constantly scream about bringing down their entire family night after night? What would you do? Find out how the patient in this next story deals with it in… The Old Woman's Grudge Last summer, I was hospitalised for eye surgery. I shared a room with an elderly woman at the time, but she was honestly kind of terrifying. I stayed at the hospital for two weeks, and during that time, not a single person came to see her the only people I saw were her son and his wife on the very first day I was there, and that was it. This old woman was always angry, and she often complained to me about it. For my part, I had lots of relatives and friends who were worried about me, so they often came to visit. Maybe she didn't like that, or maybe she was annoyed. At first, she just complained that, my son is so heartless. But then as time went on, Her complaints started to escalate. When I die, I'm going to turn into an evil spirit, and then I'm going to kill them all. All of them. I'm going to kill this person, and this person, and this person. She said the names of her son and, I guess, other relatives. I'll kill them all. Nobody's spared. Not a single one. How will I do it? Those were just some of the things she said that I remember. The nurses weren't quite sure what to do with her. They tried to gently tell her off, but then she'd get angry at them too. I'll curse you too. Get the hell away from me! Neither the regular nurses nor the head nurse or even the doctors were able to do anything. She just yelled at them nonstop, saying things I can't even write down here. After that, maybe the hospital called her family because a middle-aged couple showed up who seemed to be her son and his wife. "'Mother, you must stop bothering people,' the man said. He had to be her son. The curtain was closed so I couldn't see them, but the old woman was quiet for once. That night, however, was a different story. Her fits were even worse than usual. I don't remember what time it was, but I think it was around midnight when her screaming in the next bed over woke me up. "'I hate you all. I'll kill you!' She sounded like she was muttering in her sleep. Her horrifying words frightened me in the dark room, but I told myself to just get back to sleep, closed my eyes, and then covered my ears. At that moment… Something felt strange. Nervously, I opened one eye, and I could see the old woman peeking at me through a gap in the curtains. She was staring right at me. Her head kept moving around, but she was looking right at me. I'm not kidding, I was terrified. She said a name, but it wasn't mine. It must have been her son's. No, I'm not him. I wanted to jump out of bed and scream, but I was too scared. I hate you, she said, sobbing. Please, don't look at me. Please, don't cry. I was so scared. Oh, your wife is gonna die. I don't know if she was angry or not, but her voice was trembling. After that… She kept bad-mouthing her son towards me, returned to her own bed, and after muttering some more, she threw a few small objects at the curtain and then fell quiet. She was asleep. The very next day I was discharged from the hospital. That final night was my most horrifying of all, but either way, I no longer had to deal with her anymore. After I left, no doubt some other poor patient had to put up with her rantings. One last thing. Right before I left the hospital, I discovered that the small objects she tossed at the curtain were teeth. Her mouth was found all bloody, and at the bottom of the curtain, they found several small, yellowed teeth. I never want to spend time in the hospital again… Door-to-door salesmen can be persistent, but what if they won't give up? What if they start to escalate? Is there anything you can even do? Find out in… Terrifying door-to-door salesmen. When I started living alone for the first time, I had all sorts of shady salesmen coming to my door. They were super annoying and so I decided not to answer the door at all unless I knew someone was coming first. And so I might occasionally check the peephole if someone knocked or rang the doorbell, but it was only to see who was there, and I never opened the door. "'Hey, I went to your house yesterday,' a friend from school said to me one day. "'But you didn't answer.' I was upset at myself for not answering the door that time and felt like I was being left out of things. After that, I decided to always check the peephole whenever someone rang the doorbell so I didn't miss out again. One day, the doorbell rang, followed shortly thereafter by a few rhythmical knocks. Ah, that's gotta be my friend, I thought, and I opened the door without checking first. It wasn't my friend, but rather, someone from a company who cleaned futons and they wouldn't stop talking. I refused and refused, but still they wouldn't leave, and even worse, I couldn't even shut the door because they stood in the way and wouldn't let me. Before long, another man showed up. Would you like us to diagnose your futon for free? I couldn't stand it any longer. That's not necessary, now please leave, I said, pushing them out of the doorway and slamming it shut. I checked the peephole to see if they had gone, and the second salesman was standing there with a terrifying grin on his face. Fear gripped me. He wasn't one of those weirdos, was he? Shortly after that, I heard a loud bang outside, scaring me. I went to check what it was, and someone had tossed a large stone onto the veranda. I lived on the first floor facing the parking lot, but… I wasn't brave enough to put my head over the edge to check. After that, salesmen came to my door maybe once or twice a week, and then, just the other day, I heard someone rhythmically knocking on the door. Just like that day the weird salesman arrived. I thought they were trying to get back at me for whatever reason, so I was far too scared to answer, but the knocking continued. I started to grow concerned and I approached the peephole to have a look. That same salesman was pressed up against the door, trying to look through the other side. I was so shocked I let out a gasp before I could stop myself. You're in there, aren't you? On the other side of the door, he said, and I was so afraid I ran further into the apartment to hide. But the veranda was right there. The curtains were closed, but I wasn't brave enough to open them. If I did, I feared that salesman would climb in through them. I spent the next few days at a friend's house, and then invited other friends to stay the night at my place. I was too scared to stay home alone. I heard that many salesmen have to resort to underhanded tactics to make a living because they don't have any other choice. I don't have a lot of life experience, so I thought that salesmen were pretty much the bottom of the ladder but once I grew up and started working myself, well, I learnt better. Imagine you were suffering from such hardship and the only thing you could do was try to push sales to survive. If you were dealing with someone like me on the other side of the door, then you'd probably lose your cool too, right? If you're visited by such a person, don't look at them like beggars, but treat them with a kind, warm heart instead. They are flesh and blood people, just like you and I. The only thing scarier than ghosts is the hatred of real, living human beings. Finally, a woman takes her crush on her neighbour perhaps a little too far. Find out why in I Love You to Death. This is a pretty scary story I heard from a friend. This friend, A, was renting a room on the corner of the first floor, and his neighbour was a woman who looked like an office worker. But this woman seemed to like him quite a bit. It was clear she wasn't very good at relationship type stuff, and she was over the top with him whenever she went to see him. She was thin, pale, and not very pretty so he didn't really think much about her though. Like, when he first moved in he thought she was perhaps recovering from an illness or something. And she didn't seem to ever leave for work either. He felt bad whenever he saw her pale complexion, but he just really didn't reciprocate her feelings. Some time passed, and it seemed she was going back to work again, He saw her in the mornings and evenings, and she looked all dressed up for work. They weren't especially close, but they did have a friendly, neighbourly relationship. However, day by day, the woman's condition seemed to deteriorate before his very eyes. He grew worried about her, but he could still hear her laughing at night, so he figured she had to be okay. But then one day, he suddenly stopped seeing her. A week passed, and there was a terrible smell coming from her apartment. He went over with the manager, and they found her dead. She had starved to death. But it wasn't just the sight of her dead body that horrified him. It was the state of her apartment as well. There was nothing in it. All the furniture was gone, the floorboards had been removed, the walls were falling apart, and the one closet still there had been turned around and was facing the wall. Stuck to it was what appeared to be a picture of my friend and various hairs stuck to it. It was probably some old type of love spell. The woman didn't work. She was just pretending to in order to catch his attention, and she was sitting in an empty apartment laughing to herself. The little money she had came from selling all of her stuff, and she survived as long as she did purely on water and the little food she could afford. She left behind a will on a stained piece of paper. The only thing it said was, A-san. He had no idea why she liked him so much, nor why she didn't work, but in the end, the entire experience was rather frightening for him. Don't forget to check out Koobana Volume 11 out on Amazon right now, and check out our newly revamped merchandise store at koobana.store. And if you'd like to chat about this week's stories, come and join us in the Koobana Discord. You can find that link in the description or on koobana.net. You can also check out our Patreon at patreoncom Devlin for exclusive bonus stories and extras, or our YouTube channel. At youtube.com/slash koabana Japan for all sorts of Japanese horror you won't find anywhere else. Thanks, guys. Stay safe, and I'll see you again next time for even more koabana true Japanese scary stories from around the internet. Want even more scary stories? Head over to koabana.net for new translations every week. You can also join our Patreon. For exclusive stories you won't find anywhere else. Head over to koabana.net now.